I'm Robin Crane, and this is the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. Listen, I was a financial advisor for over a decade, and I got so sick of the old archaic strategies that your grandpa used to get clients. What the industry teaches today is still so outdated and just doesn't work anymore. So I had to find a better way for myself, and then I got obsessed with sharing these how-tos with other women like me. The stuff I teach doesn't require giving up your life, your sanity, or your family time. I want women like you to have it easier than I had it, so you can thrive in the industry. I've now helped thousands of women grow their financial businesses to multiple six figures, some even seven figures per year. So on this podcast, you're going to get an inside look at how they did it so you can do it too. Let's dive into the show. Welcome, welcome. I am here with Jen Dawson, who's a CFP and Managing Director and Senior Wealth Advisor of Hemington Wealth Management. Actually, she lives in Chicago. Um, she's been focusing on helping women lawyers, which, uh, you know, again, I talk a lot about niching your business and I don't usually say niche, but being very specific with your target marketing. So she's done that, had success there. Um, she even co-authored a study about women um, of wealth called What Do Breadwinner Women Lawyers Want? Um, and she's a working mom and has an impressive track record with her practice, 15 years of experience. A lot more there, but like the cool thing is, is like she is in your shoes. Like, you know, sometimes we have people come on, they're in marketing or they're like, they have no idea about the industry and like you lived it for 15 years. So tell them a little about your story and how you got into the industry and what's kind of happening, state of affairs with Jen and and your CFP business now. Sure. I'm so pleased to be here. I'm excited to be talking to you today, Robin. And so I uh, I'm a math nerd by background, uh, ran in college, went to South Carolina, I was a Gamecock, and then went directly from undergrad to a PhD program in mathematics. And I thought I wanted to teach you uh, mathematics at the university level. And then I was in a room by myself doing creative mathematics and just miserable. And uh, a couple of panic attacks later, I did end up leaving and found a headhunter in Chicago. I'd always wanted to live in the city. And so I said, I love numbers, but I need people to be involved. So they placed me at a firm in the West Loop of Chicago. and then. I was taking the CFP classes and my tax teacher recruited me to a firm that I was at for 10 years before I made the switch to join Hemington almost six years ago. Um, Hemington is based in DC. I was recruited to Hemington by our uh, founder. She's an extraordinary, awesome working mom as well. Working mom of five, I should say. I mean, she is wow, amazing. Yes. And um, she, uh, Harvard MBA, I mean, she's like amazing. And we were on a panel together talking about how to serve breadwinner women. She wrote... Uh, a w- women in wealth study. She, we co-founded the uh, or co-wrote the breadwinner women lawyers. But anyway, um, it's a story about like you should always be networking, always you know. And and she asked at the time if I was looking to move firms, and I no, I'm so happy, you know. And then just stayed in touch, just reached out to be on another panel. And um, so I mean, O'Connor is um, amazing and a, and a great example. Like I said, you never know where things lead, and so saying yes to opportunities opportunities and helping in the industry. And that's what today is too. It's fun to to meet all, you know, awesome women that um, are like-minded and we can all learn from each other. So excited to contribute. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. And that's, I, I'm thinking about possibly starting a firm, you know, and maybe uh, working, you know, recruiting some women, like amazing women. I want it to be like the best, if I'm going to do it, it's going to be like, you know, in my view, like the best advisory firm on the planet, of course, with women. But um it's interesting to think about because I'm so not in that role of like recruiting and thinking, you know, like, okay, who who can I, who can I bring over? But that she had, she saw your talent. She 
had the persistence and also the patience to just be like, okay, when it's ready, it'll work. So, um, so I know you said, you know, we kind of talked about before, like, well, what do we, where do we want to focus? Cause there's so many areas we can focus. And you mentioned about, you know, leading internally and in client relationships by living your best life. And you said specifically the importance of pausing. I have to pause when I say that pausing wellness practices and deep conversations. So let's talk a little bit. That's, a, that's kind of a lot. So give us some examples or Tell us a little about how you've used that in your practice to have us to grow a successful practice and what that really means to you. Gosh. Okay. Yes. I love this. Um, the, the power of pausing is huge. And uh, when I made the change six years ago, I had a non-solicit. And so I was not starting with a big group of clients. I was kind of starting from the ground up. And so I had to be really intentional about how I wanted to grow. And so I did this like on a quarterly basis, I would take a full day and think about what do I want, you know, the next 90 days to look like. And and I can, you know, micromanage myself and pretty, it's like, you know, how, what's my calendar going to look like? And now it's morphed into, I have these amazing group of clients um, and I need to take care of myself first, right? It's the whole, like, you can't pour from an empty cup. And so my 90 day planning has turned into like a little bit of self-care, a little bit of uh, strategic planning, but also like what a life planning. And so I just encourage uh, women advisors to to have had a holistic perspective because it benefits you and it benefits your family and your clients and your team. And it's, uh, you're more than just the advisor that shows up to talk about how your portfolio did last year, you know? And um, if you can be balanced yourself and have, and be thoughtful and like curious and follow passions that are outside of work, uh, you're going to be more interesting. You're going to be more interested in your clients. And, um, it's just going to be a greater level of relationship, if that makes sense. So yeah, I, I, I love the like 90 day. And actually, I, it, women think it's such a weird thing. And I, so now I, I go to a hotel um, and I love my husband uh, and my two kids. But to get out of the house and just have some space to think is huge. And I've, uh, so last couple of times I've done it, I've invited friends in my network to join. And I do think I don't have a passion to start a new you know, venture with these retreats, but it is—it's so valuable, and you can see it pay off. Uh, a little bit of investment in yourself and giving yourself mm -hmm. space, and time can go a long way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you believe in it, I'm not going to tell you what it is. Um, he said business development. Oh yes, yes. Like, have oh, you invested a lot in yourself to like get to this level? My goodness, yes. And um, I've always been a fan of business development, so I know that's a little bit, you know, maybe different than some, but if you can think of it, people, I just get, think it's scared by sales. Um, it's, if you can reframe it in your mind is like, how can you help more people? Um, how can you make it authentic to you? And I mean, if I tell people, if you're not having fun doing business development, then there's something off. Like it should be a passion of yours that you combine with work and um, authentically something you enjoy. So whether it be like I had a golf group for many years, more so before I had kids, but um, the boss lady would go golfing um, every other Friday in the summer. And it was a bunch of attorneys and me. And that was part of why I have the specialty that I do because I just became one of them and can understand how they think and the real issues they face. So it's beneficial from a networking. It's beneficial from like, again, you know, having those relationships and understanding how they think. But um, I also think as a woman advisor, you just have so much more uh, choices and power when you're not afraid of okay, I can bring in my own clients. Like I can find COI relationships 
that, um, again, feel authentic. You like those people. You're just helping each other help mutual clients. And it turns, you know, it's fun. So awesome. So when you say business development, you say like a focus or like an active focus on growing your business, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Whether it be client referral, DOI strategy, you know, specialization, like we talked, you know, touched on. Um, but just having a strategy. And like you said, do you invest in yourself? Heck yeah. Like it is. And I, oh, women struggle to do this, but a coach, like having the, a third party that is your cheerleader, is your therapist a little bit, is your, uh, you know, guidance person and, and just sounding board. But um, it, it's been incredibly, I've been coached by the best. And whether it's the big picture strategy, it's like the day-to-day blocking tap lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a lot of it is resi- like resilience, right? And just being confident and comfortable and in the plan. And then if you get caught up in the sales goals and all that, that can be really stressful versus, okay, I know I'm doing the right tactics. It'll all lead the right place. How did you start to, how did you decide on lawyers? Because I had like one of the women in my program, I talk about cloning your ideal client. So who is that one person that if you got like 10 times, you'd be able to reach your 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 revenue goal, if not exceed your revenue goal. And sometimes they're, they're, you can already say there's someone in your book of business, so you can clone them. Sometimes you're like, well, they're in my warm market. And like, we have a like relationship, so it might be weird to try to convert my friend. But like, if I cloned that person, and then the third level is like, okay, well, I'm just going to pick out of the World Wide Web someone I can find with maybe a, a job title like a lawyer. And Tracy actually chose women lawyers and started to target them. And so that like became, she kind of became known as the person, like the go-to person to um, get you know, to work with women lawyers. So how did you come about that? Was it by accident? Was it intentional? Or did you, um, yeah, did, how did you create that? Yes, uh, very intentional. And it was at my prior firm, we hired a consultant to figure out, okay, we're at a size where it's really hard to drive growth when you get to a certain size, right? And we need to be more intentional. It can't just be reactionary COIs. And, and so it was, Let's go deep for people that are focused on business development, look at our client base and figure out, okay, where do we have a lot of um, consistencies with who you serve and then who do you serve really well and have that ideal client? So um, it was I, I, it was lawyers in general. Uh, and then my job in that first year of this strategy was to go out and talk to as many thought leaders, um, uh, competitors that also serve that group, um, the target market themselves, and there's one other, but it, it basically to have all these interviews. And I talked to 113 people that year um, to talk to them about, okay, what are your biggest issues in your profession and in, with your money? And that, you know, what do you, how do you get your news? Those kinds of questions and fascinating. And my biggest of all of those interviews, one of the biggest things was like a lot of lawyers are miserable and even the happy ones report that they uh, are surrounded by miserable lawyers. And then mm. a lot of, especially the women lawyers and, and the study that we did, which you referenced um, this white paper, it showed that 30% of the women that went to, that took our survey, and this was consistent in my conversation, wish they'd never gone to law school. I mean, it's a, like a sad story in some ways. And then we need more women at the top of the legal profession. So I get all fired up. And I like lawyers are heroes in many of these situations. And I go, I'm like, we need to support them better so they don't feel so crunched. And so it was obviously... I attuned to the um, money issues that they face. And there are some unique, you know, pay uh, structure, or K-1 income, you know, that's the way to Like I can help with that. But um, 
and beyond just those things, but also yeah. like the the life stuff and especially the the people the sandwich generation, you know, aging parents and kids and right. uh, you know, billable hours and just how much pressure they're under. So I can help create this financial plan that gives them the freedom to have a plan. Like if they wanted to step back, they could do that. Or if they want to lean in and just outsource every detail of their finances, we can help them do that too. So I get really excited about uh, the big picture uh, project. And I think that comes through, right? Like if you, whatever you pick, it can't just be like you said, look on the World Wide Web and like, oh, this would be a good target. You you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 but interestingly enough, like interviews is like a big thing that we teach. And when, because my husband has a hybrid book, a book publishing company, um, a, a lot of, like I said before we started recording, I'm like, oh, you should turn that into a short book, you know, because it's like, oh, yeah, a book has, carries all this like authority, but we actually teach a whole system around interviewing. So it's very interesting that like we've never met, you've had a different coach. Um, and then the success point that you're talking about that got you to niche your business, which I'm assuming, ended or resulted in like very big wins financially for you and also transformational wins for them, of course, is like this idea of interviewing. And it makes so much sense if you take a step back and you say, okay, well, if I get really curious about, well, what are the issues and what do they want? What's holding them back? That's what creates messaging. It's like, what do they want and what's holding them back? And that's what people respond to. And I've been talking about this lately because I'm like super obsessed with like this idea of this financial future is female. And um, I was thinking about how, and I heard this from a copywriter in one of my masterminds, how we we have been like just like the marketers are talking about direct response marketing. Like that's how it has been. It's like we're trying to get people, if you do Facebook ads, most advisors don't, but it's like you want to get people to click and go to the next step. And it's direct response, meaning there's a direct response. And same with like anything. It's like even direct mail. It's like we want people to get this and then respond to call you or to go to a link or something. And what he was talking about, this copywriter, he was saying, it's moving to emotional response marketing. And so it's like, instead of trying to get people to act, we're trying to get people to feel. And he was saying like, the difference is like when people feel like they get, there's a lot more loyalty there and there's a lot more um, just uh, even connection there. And what I, this is like this realization I came to just, just, I don't know, within the last couple of days with this idea of the financial futures female that it's not just women in the financial industry, but just like you're saying, this male-dominated field in law and you know attorneys, like if we have more of a presence in these higher professions as women, we'll make a bigger impact. And the emotional response, like it makes sense that women are going to naturally be better at that, right? And we're going to be able to drive an emotional response because we are much more emotional beings than the average male, you know? So I think, like, I really think there's this whole paradigm shift right now with where the like this i'm creating you know i'm trying to create this movement around like having more of a of a female presence but i think the world is asking for it because it's not just women saying like responding to this emotional response it's men too it's like it's not enough to just make a big promise and then like people just like they buy buy stuff you know and it's like oh big promise i'm just going to go for it because that's how it's been it's like i gotta believe that you're not just going to try to sell me crap I got to believe you're going to care. I got to believe you're going to, you know, ask me questions and and listen. And then I want to take action because it's all everybody's been saying for decades and decades and decades. It's all about the no like and trust factor, right? So are you noticing that? Are you seeing that, especially, you know, among the clients that you're working with and the marketing that you're doing? Oh my gosh. Yeah, for sure. And I tell women and sometimes, you know, talk to universities is, 
it's a, such a good profession for women because there's absolutely, and I think more and more as behavioral finance becomes more mainstream and talked about, but that is an area where women really can can read the room and can and can empathize with your feelings about how you feel about the market. And and um, we're so well attuned. It's not to say that like teams of women and men are a great balance, right? But um, in general, a huge opportunity for women, absolutely. And the secret little like dirty little secret is that men like the approach too, right? Like like you talk about um if you have more feelings and like are am I gonna be okay versus like what did the SP do last quarter? You know, and like the really important totally. conversations. And so what we have found and, and we get the question all the time is okay, we our firm focuses on serving breadwinner women, not women in transition, not, which is like, you know, third and, and certainly not just women with a pink bow around a financial plan. Like no, it's decision-making, awesome, breadwinning women. Um, and we get the question, okay, well, does that turn away men? And it's really this lovely selective filter for men that care about the women in their life and are, we call them enlightened men that really love our approach and care about and make sure that, of course, the investment strategy is solid and we're doing all the technical financial planning, but then also have um, the more human approach and the more customized and comprehensive conversation that both women and men love. So hopefully that answers. So I think what you're saying is like, you're also attracting men, even if they're not, the men are not breadwinning women, right? But that's exactly what happens when you plant your flag and you're like, this is who we're best at helping. Because what happens immediately when you say like, we help breadwinner or breadwinning women is that you have immediate authority and credibility. It's just like when you have a book, it's like, there's this perception that if you are not trying to work with anybody and everybody and just like, oh, uh, uh, if you have a pulse, which is a lot of what they teach in the industry when you're first starting, if you have a pulse, then I can help you, you know? And it's like, that's the desperation. It doesn't get any high net worth person or client going like, oh, I really, I want to work with you. When you say you help these people and you help these people in this way, you have immediate credibility. And now it's there's like no desperation there because I have to actually, if I'm a dude, I have to earn the right to get you to want to work with me going like, hey, I I know you help breadwinning women, but you know, I'm not, not a woman, and, but I have a wife and I care about her. And could you help me? Because it sounds like if your approach is helping them, it would be awesome helping me. So that totally happens. I had um, this one woman, um, she wrote a book called Woman on Top, Karen Koenig, Koenig. Um, and she um, she used to work at Boeing in this male-dominated industry. And so she was talking about kind of similarly, like oh, similar, similar stuff we're talking about right now, just like women and, and how hard it is a male-dominated industry. And so when I was working with her, it was like, okay, let's really cl- get clear on who you want to help. And so she was like, women at Boeing or, you know, in, in the airline industry, that sort of thing, and male-dominated industries. And she was like super targeted with her messaging about women and, and, and it, you know, at Boeing even. And all these men would come up to her and like, can you work with me? Can you work with me? Because it's like now she was like, she said, no, you had the credibility, not feeling like any sort of desperation. And she was attracting more men than women by saying she works only with women. It's kind of like dating. It's like you want what you can't have. Like, no, I, I'm not. I'm not seeing, you know, I'm, I'm not available right now. Well, in that case, I really want to chase you to get there. Right. So um, that's cool. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like that. So I think it's also interesting that you said, I think you said major or whatever in math, mathematics, you say that, you didn't even say math, you said mathematics is like super like, you know, proper or something. Um, but which is, I always find, I remember, I think when I became a financial advisor and I remember thinking like, this is not an industry for me. Like I'm bad at math. Like I have no interest in money. I mean, yes, I, I like the idea of having it, but not really because I had 
already guilt and shame around it somehow. Like, oh, well, you know, I don't need that much money. I've worked at a nonprofit and I was singer songwriter before that, you know. So like the idea of money was like, I don't I don't really get it, even though I was very, very driven in many ways. Um, and then it was my first interview was more of a presentation. And this woman was actually a woman and she was very young. She was 27. And she said to this group of like 10 of us, what you're really doing is you're helping people pay, you know, buy a house, pay for college for their kids and retire comfortably. And I was like, wow, there's something noble about this. And like, I can get behind that mission. Like I'm into that because I want to help people. I want to make a difference as a singer songwriter. I didn't feel like I was doing anything very worthy. I was just having fun. And I sang a lot of cynical love songs too, which didn't help. But, but then I was like, wow, there's, there's really something noble about this. And then like getting into the industry, I'm like, I don't have to be good at math. Like there's calculators for that. Like I don't need any of this stuff. And that's back to this emotional response thing too, is like, what's most important is not the math stuff. It's, it's most important is the human stuff. But I can see as far as your personality, just based on like the quick connection that we had, just, you know, jumping on a quick zoom, it's like, you connect with people and you might have some amazing mathematical skills, but tell me, like, was it the mathematical skills that helped you more or the personal skills that helped you more in your business? I think I know the answer. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Without a doubt, the personal stuff. And I find knowing myself, right? Like I get confident out of being super prepared and having the technical side down to, you know, I don't question that for a second. And so I don't think clients think that, like you said earlier, people are emotional beings that sometimes think, right? Like they're going to buy based on emotion and then justify with logic, right? Like, so mm. it's figuring out, and again, to be interested in them, to be curious, to be um, authentic and not, and transparent, right? Say what you don't do. And that's what, like in my first conversations with people, when I describe our process before you become a client, it's two meetings. The first meeting, I ask roughly a million questions to understand how you think and feel about money, your money story, like the baggage that you kind of describe, mm -hmm. like uh, why you think the way that you do. Anyway, where you're going, all those things. I ask those questions. Second meeting, we come back together and I, I had in black and white. Here's what we heard. Did we get it right? Right. So that's the first step. It's like listening. Mm. So basic. I know we talk about it all the time, but love it. Cannot say it enough. And then I'm also going to tell you, like, if we're not the right fit and like that, the whole process is such that they can feel like what it's like to work with me versus I explain it. You know, they actually get to feel the emotion and connectedness. And then likewise, I get to see like, am I going to like working with this person for the next 25 years, you know, and, and to see them in retirement, to your point, that's this big responsibility and gift that we get to help people through the big milestones and help them, their kid. like, it's a big um, relationship. And so to make sure. I have, you know, we have, there's life is the finite number that, of people that you can work with. So figure out like, mm -hmm. okay, and use discernment, be smart, and don't be afraid of the power of no of, um, and finding the right fit for everybody. And I'm a big believer. There's enough, there's the right person out there for whoever. And, and uh, you know, if you're looking for a stock picker, that's not me. If you're looking for um, alternative private equity, like that's not me. So I'll point you and who can help you. But yeah, all that to say um, the people stuff, it's all about that. Yeah, that's awesome. But I would imagine that it didn't start that way. Like when you first started, like that, what were you using the typical strategies? I don't know what your first um, RIA was like, but were you, you know, basically like make your list of 100 friends, friends and family, centers of influence, like network, all that stuff? Or was there, did you luck out and get like a, a quicker approach to, to getting there? Well, I know some RIAs have the channels, you know, leads at a, a Schwab or TD Ameritrade where they, 
Mm-hmm. Um, the investment consultants introduce you and bring you in to kind of pair you. And so that's a really nice training ground to just like understand how to how to close business and how to make those connections early on. And um, so that was one thing that just a lot of reps of that. But um, I didn't love that because they're not, you're not choosing. You can't be as choosy, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's a weird, and they're usually, I, it's like they, they already want to buy something and they, uh, it's kind of, I always tell my ladies like, stop selling the box, which is, you know, the box is the product. It's like, they don't want the box, but some people who, who, they're looking online, they're looking for the box, right? So it's like, oh, what insurance? So then they come there very, very like, you know, one or, or like, I don't know, single-minded, I guess it is, where like, I need, I have $250,000 I need to invest. And you're like, you want to look at the whole picture. They're like, no, I just want to know, where do I invest this? And you're like, dude, like, I cannot possibly advise you on that if I don't know the whole picture, but it's like, they're they're more like, um, you. they're putting you in a position of order-taking, as opposed to, um, you know, the position of like actually an advisor role. Like I have clients who, you know, sometimes they have the orphan clients and they've been tossed around. They already feel like, you know, no one cares. And then they have this one product and then they're told like, call this orphan client and talk to them about their product. And no, no, it's like, you gotta tell them, like make them trust you again because they're already feeling like they have all these doubts and they don't believe that anyone's going to give a hoot about them anymore. Right. So um, yeah, those, this is what I mean by like shifting the whole like industry the way the way that we do things and then it's been i don't know 100 years whatever of like this type of engagement that and it's shifting already like definitely but like that we proactively have to shift it from this like feel of the fact finder type of thing let me see where all your money is and tell you what to do with it or how much you have to invest and let's do it versus as they like to say the holistic approach which is um you know thrown around a lot but like of really understanding, like I love that you take the time to understand their story and money story and what's important to them and what their fears are and concerns first. And then it's like, cool, like, is this, is this what you said? And then I think we can help you or I think we can't. That makes sense. Yeah. Anything to add on that? Absolutely. No, I think um, to your question of how do you start and how do you, how do you build from, you know, 15 years ago, I've always been drawn to it and it's networking and it's, um, following up, having coffees, people being curious, like that kind of, you know, building that COI group. My COIs have always looked different than the average, like not just mm-hmm. accounts and lawyers, mm-hmm. but business coaches and, um, you know, insurance people, I guess, are the classic. But anyway, building out that network early and then figure out who you like, who do you want to work with and share clients and then do a great job, obviously. Um, and then putting your flag in the ground, yeah, having specialization, but also for, I think it's now, no, a uh, twelve years I've been doing this Valentine's Day event. So, like, my network knows that the invite's coming out in the next couple of weeks, and, and it's not now virtual because that's just easier for me. And um, but to, I take I pick a topic: how to love yourself well and how to take great care of yourself. And so, super passionate about it. I sometimes have speakers. I sometimes, you know, present ideas myself. But it's just consistency, and it doesn't have to be a huge lift, but be consistent and you'll be extraordinary. You know, I just, and um, be clear about what you want. And it maybe you don't love business development as much as I always have and then find your own path, right? And if you're a service advisor that can work with somebody at your firm that loves business development and you can take those clients, like have that be your strategy. And then, you know, every 90 days, meet with that person, figure out what you want it to look like. But like, just don't, you know, you can design it yourself to your strength and, 
for me, it's been all about relationships, all about um, authentic things that I'm caring about and that my clients care about. And, and, um, and then just being very disciplined, very clear, consistent, and excited about it. People feel it, I think. Awesome. Awesome. That's a good wrap up. I, I have nothing else except to say, hey, go talk to Jen. So um, awesome. Where can they find you or follow you or uh, stalk you? Um, so they could, if they wanted any more. Yes, uh, LinkedIn for sure. And then um, Hemmingson Wealth Management is my firm name. Uh, it's also Metaphor, uh, which I can tell that story at some point, but it's, uh, it's a beach house, beach house and the founder of our firm was one of eight kids. Um, dad worked for the government, mom stayed home, so money wasn't always easy. And every summer they all piled into the station wagon. I tell her, I tell her story more than she does. Um, but <laughs> so the them would go and they drive past this big, house right on the ocean and they'd say wouldn't it be so nice if we all stayed together there you know and um and so her dad stayed for 13 years and then bought the hemington and wow. so it's this idea of why are you working so hard what is it and get really clear on what what is your hemington um, and then we can work backwards make smart small changes um to achieve those big goals and it's um it's hopefully very empowering for clients and it's so fun to get to do and that's what especially women are great at talking about like, why, what do you want? And slowing down, pausing. Um, I just feel so lucky that it's what we do. That's so awesome. I love that story. That's great. Well, thank you so much. Check her out. Find her on LinkedIn, Jen Dawson um, and Hemington. Yep. And um, one thing I'll put a plug in for NAPFA, National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. I'm on the Women's Initiative. We have conversation circles. So feel free to I think in February, we're doing one on mentoring. We have mentorship program. Um, we co-founded last year. So great. Yeah. Well, it's awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jen. And thank you all for joining us on Growing Your Financial Business the Women's Way. We'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.